0: There's joy in every journey.
1: In life, timing is everything. And for Rex Hudler, the timing could not have been better for his arrival here in Kansas City. When he came to KC, he was replacing a legend, Frank White, in the broadcasting booth. And the transition was not easy for many Royals fans. But Rex Hudler made the most of it, and man, it has sure paid off. Hud has become one of the most popular people in Kansas City. And as he goes on to tell you in our latest edition of the KC Bobcast, timing truly was everything for his arrival in KC. You
2: know, Bob, I'm still young in my life, and I hope I have a lot more years, but timing's everything. And um, my timing's not that good, but God's is. And uh, whenever I get to a dead end, and I'm and, and career-wise, or you know my baseball career, I'd always say, "Hey, you know, put me where you want me." And he, he'd seem to open up a door for me. So uh, I don't, uh, I just move forward. I don't move back, and I don't look back very often. I just move forward and continue to have fun. But yeah, you hear the phrase "winning cures all." You don't hear the phrase "winning cures some." Right. It cures all, even even a, a balding redhead broadcaster.
0: <laughs> so the
2: timing was great. For me to be able to experience the joy in the ballpark, the world—you know—the the, the, the two two World Series in a row, to see the fan base come back, a new generation of fans—I mean, that's that's worth it. If I'm done tomorrow, oh, it's been great. What a wonderful experience it has been. But not just for me. I'm, I went home after that first year in '12, when Dayton Moore set me and Steve Fizyak down, and said. You know, guys, we're we're expecting to win here, but not for a couple more years. You guys came at a good time, but and he was right. I went home after that 12 season, and I told my wife Jennifer, hey, "Honey, look, I saw what the, the young players, I saw their future, and the and the, the boss there, J- Dayton Moore, said they're going to win in a couple years. I believe him too. I think we I think we need to all be there for that." She goes, "I'll call the realtor." Had a nice. Home for in Orange County, you know. And yeah. I saved all my utility money. Sure. Which wasn't that much. Right. To buy her a house at the end of my career. And we'd lived there for 13 years. And I asked her to move. And she says, I will. So the timing was perfect with my kids, too. They were, uh, the two boys were in elementary school. Kate was just getting ready to start high school. And Alyssa had graduated high school. So the time was good to move them. Sure. And it's been wonderful here ever since. Kate has got educated here in uh, the Blue Valley School District with with just fantastic, uh, Reviews um, in high school. Now he's gone on. He's about ready to go into adult service programs and and uh, work. He's actually going to become a tax paying citizen. That's here. awesome, right? So we're pumped. <laughs> uh, so we're we're uh, it, it's been a wonderful uh, six years moving on seven. Hope it ends up to be forty
1: years. Uh, you know, Hud, the the, the the story about kate I, I want to get into because I find it very interesting. My niece has Down syndrome, so I know what families go through when they find out they had a Down syndrome child and. He was your first boy, right? Cade was your first boy. What was it like for you when you found out that he was born with Down syndrome?
2: Well, you know what? We took him home. We didn't have an amniocentesis. That's where they they can go into the uterus and they can check and see. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that because we trusted uh, whatever we were going to get. We trusted God for that. And so when he, when, uh, he came out, he looked typical. He didn't have any features of a child with what I call up syndrome. Yes, I love that term, yeah. 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 And so so we the, the doctor came through that morning and, 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 and checked him out, all of his vitals, and then he goes, hey, he's healthy. He looks healthy, healthy and typical. Congratulations. And so I was excited. But he never he didn't cry when he came out, when Jennifer delivered him. He didn't cry. And, and I only had a daughter before him, and she wailed and cried, you know. So I was a little bit, uh, kind of felt something, it was a little, a little strange. Right. Anyway, so we took him home, and we were home, had him home for three days, and uh, my relatives were all there, grandma grandpa, you know, my mom and dad were there, and, and uh, the phone call came from the doctor and uh, said, hello, and the doctor says, hey, hey, uh, Rex, I just want to tell you that you have a son that's tested positive for Down syndrome. Oh. No. And I went, oh, you mean you mean that disability, the extra chromosome? Yeah. I said, well, hey, uh, okay, what next? Uh, do you have an owner's manual? What what am I supposed to do? What do I do now? Uh-huh. And he goes, nothing. Just wanted to let you know we we took took his blood and we tested it before he went home and and um, congratulations. And I and I I I, I was like, thank you. He congratulated me f- for a child, which was tip, which he should have. Mm-hmm. And so I to, I hung up the phone and I told all my family that was there. Hey guys, it's, we're holding Kate. Kate passing around. Hey guys, the doctor just said Kate has Down syndrome, and it was emotional. Uh, my grandpa, I never saw my grandpa cry ever. My grandpa started weeping, and I was like, What's wrong, guys? Look, we prayed for a healthy child. That's what we got. What's wrong? We, we, he's it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it look at him he looks great he's healthy that's all we want but you know it seems like you know whenever you you get that card dealt to you that you have a child with a disability especially like we were like they told us out of nowhere one phone call yeah you know it was quite a shock but immediately i, start, I thought about how how grateful we were that he was healthy and so jennifer was grieving um, she was trying to get him to nurse. He had a hard time nursing because kids with up syndrome have, have a low muscle tone in their tongue and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. their mouth. So, so, therefore they, they talk like they, right. so they have a hard time speaking. And he had a hard time feeding. Mm-hmm. So she was up in our bedroom trying to get him to feed for like a week. And um, I still couldn't understand why everybody was, was crying. So I called my friend, Tim Burke, who was a relief pitcher for the Expos, Montreal Expos. He was a friend of mine. Him and his wife adopted kids with disabilities. One of his kids became mentally disabled through a heart procedure. So he had experience of having a child with a disability. So I called him. I had to call him. Hey, Burkey, Hud here. Hey, uh, I just want to tell you, me and Jennifer just had a little boy with Down syndrome, man. Um, can you give me any advice? And he, 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 uh, he, he hesitated for a second and said, yeah, Hud, you know what? You need to grieve with Jennifer. I said, "Why? Why? I, I don't. I don't feel like grieving. We prayed for a child with, 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 that was healthy, and that's what we got. Why? Why am I going to grieve?" He said, "Because Christine and I didn't didn't grieve together, and it caused problems in our relationship." Wow. And he said, eighty to ninety percent of marriages dissolve that have kids with disabilities." Holy cow! High percentage. So did you grieve? So you know what? I said, thanks, Berkey. And I said, what am I going to grieve? He goes, did you have dreams of your boy being a big league ball player? Well, sure, every dad does. right? But you know what? He'll, ne- he'll never be a big leaguer. He has a disability. Did you dream of, of ha- driving a car, of him going to college and being a scholar? Well, not necessarily a scholar, <laughs> if he's from me. But, <laughs> right. But, yeah. He goes, then you need to grieve those dreams. I said, all right, man. Thanks, Berkey. I appreciate you. Love you, brother. Hung up. And I cried with Jennifer for three days. Just came out. And that was a special time. That was really good. I really appreciated that advice. Because I want to fight for my marriage. I want to do all I can to keep my marriage. And and the things that I grieved were just what he said. The dreams that I had of, of my typical child. And The only thing that would console me was was at night bob i'd wake up with anxiety and i'd wake up and go oh man i have a kid i gotta take care of the rest of my life oh man wow that was a lot that's a lot to think yeah first son right i'd expect so uh i would turn on i'd turn on the, the the tv and then i'd thumb through the channels and and my mom, no one could console me, really, but then I would see soothing uh, waterfalls and mountain scenery and, and scripture, mm-hmm. Bible scriptures. And I would read that, and I was like, oh, it was like nourishment to my soul. And it was God saying, it's okay, but I got you, man. And so it was really, really special that time in my life, uh, Bob, about um, um, taking advice from my friend. Grieving to, to 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 take care of my marriage, uh, 29 years now. I'm so thankful. And Cade's 21 years. We've had him, and so um, thanks for letting me share that story.
1: How did Jim Abbott help you through this? Okay, so there's a time for everything.
2: There's a time to grieve, a time for happiness, a time to move on. And so I, I had to go back to the gym. I just came off my one good year in 21 years, uh-huh. and I was a free agent. And more were, than I had, right? Yeah, there, were teams, <laughs> there were teams that wanted me. I couldn't believe it, right? So the phone was ringing. I'm 35 years old. So Jennifer's like, okay, you got to go to the gym. So 10 days off, I had in between. So I go to the gym, and I'm training with uh, J.T. Snow, Mark Langston, Chuck Finley, um, uh, Jim Abbott, and I um, can't, can't think who else there was. Anyway, we all trained together in the same gym. That's a heck of a crew right there. That was great. My all gosh. my buddies. All my yeah. buddies, yeah. And so so I, I bring my bag in. From the th- I come in the front door, and there they are. They're waiting for me, my buddies. And they're going, HUD! Hut! Tell us the news. We heard you've been gone. I mean, tell us about your son. We heard you had a little boy. And how tough it was to tell my baseball big leaguers that I had a boy with Down syndrome. Right. That was the hardest thing, Bob. I'll never forget that. How hard that was to come out. I could barely it could barely come out of my mouth. I was like, oh, "Me and Jennifer had a little boy with Down syndrome," and I wept. I cried. And my buddies were like, because they hadn't heard the news. Sure. They instantaneously grabbed me and hugged me it was a circle hug and they just said it's okay Hud. it's all right man we love you and so I was like all right hey let's let's go let's get our work going and so that's what teams do remember the last couple of years the Royals experienced deaths by Moose's dad Chris Young's mom Mm -hmm. Um, some tragedies that happened in that clubhouse that's the best time, really, when you're around your teammates. Your teammates are like family, and they just embrace you, and they make you, they help you get over uh, uh, stuff like that. So I started work, walking, working the treadmill, right? Walking, and Jim Abbott's walking right next to me. These treadmills are like like this far apart, and uh, Abby's Abby's sitting there, and he he looked at me and he goes, "Hud, you know what? Jim Abbott, one hand, right? Successful major league pitcher, great athlete. He was unbelievable to Stud. watch. Michigan." Yeah. He went to Michigan. That's right. Yeah, he was a stud. He was a quarterback in high school. Right. Quarterback, pitcher. He was. He did everything with one hand. With one hand. He said miracles can happen. You and Jennifer are good parents. Hang in there, HUD. Hang in there, man. Um, you guys help Cade reach his full potential. You will. Just encourage him and love him, and it's going to work out. And you know that was like, that was like a a huge breath of fresh air coming from him. But it was the way he did it. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't say, "Hey, Hud, look what I did with my disability." He didn't. He didn't dig himself like he could have. Right. And I would have been. Wow, you're right. He was so humble. His delivery was so soft. He encouraged me and Jennifer. He complimented us on being good parents and being good people. And you know that was like a bright, big old light of fresh air, man. So we went on with the workout. I got in my car that day, and on my 20 minute drive home, I was, I was, I was changed. God in my heart said, Hud, it's, the grieving time is over. Now it's time to accept the gift I gave you and Jennifer. What do you do when you get a gift? And I said, you put your hands out. You take the gift. That's exactly right. You accept Cade. I gave you Cade to enhance your life, not to bring your life down. Okay, you don't even know it yet. That, kid's, that kid, I'm going to use you to encourage other parents out there that it's okay to have a kid child with a disability. You can't even see the future, but I can. And so there it was. I went home, I busted in the doors. I said, Jennifer, I go, honey, guess what? Kate came to the right place, man. It's time to move forward. He's gonna we're, he's gonna be great. Let's just keep working him and loving on him and let's have fun. Matter, matter of fact, let's share him. Let's share him with everybody. And then, you know, I, I went on the Jim Rome show and shared him with, with, uh, with Rome, we had a nationally syndicated show. And, right. and then, you know, it's on. And so for 21 years it's been on, but when I went to chromosome counseling, Jennifer and I, um, Bob, they asked, I, 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 they were telling me how it happens, right? To counsel me, I said, hey, look, I just want to know where the where the term Downs come from. They said, well, that was the name of the doctor. Oh, okay. In the 1800s that discovered the chromosome. Okay, um, my son doesn't have Downs; he has Ups. In it, okay, he's not gonna have Downs. I love the doc. I'm not I'm nothing against the doc, but man. My boy has up syndrome. So that's when that started. So we just continue to move forward. and Because kids that, and adults that have that have an extra chromosome, they're happy.
1: Sure they they're are. They're unconditional yeah.
2: lovers. Yep. So that's why we call it up syndrome.
1: And it's, it's caused you to be able to get involved and do things and help make schools better. I mean, he really was a blessing for you, wasn't he?
2: No question. So you know what? It's been so fun. But you know what? The whole the bottom line is, I can't see the future. I'm a human being. But you know, when you when you trust when you trust God for your life he helps you he sees the light and, and, and he helps me through each day while I'm here, living here and um, he continu- continues to counsel Jennifer and I and, and give us wisdom and, and move forward
1: alright I, I was watching a video of you it was an interview uh, of, that you did I don't know years ago or maybe it was some of your old teammates talking about it and you did a, turn a double play with Ozzy Smith, and you say you immediately called your mom after you turned that double play with Ozzy Smith. I don't know if it was the first one that you did with Ozzy Smith or whatever. Like that, was that common for you to do? With, with the relationship with your mother was that a real strong one, where you called her every night, or was that something special? Or you, how did all that work with you and your mom?
2: My mom was my hero. Yeah, she was the disciplinarian. She was uh, she uh, educated herself while she was raising me and my two brothers. put a hot meal on the table she became a registered nurse at at age 30 31 32 she went back to school Wow, got a four-year a full degree so i have a lot of respect for her Um, she taught me how to shake hands with people be firm look them in the eye she taught me how to say yes sir no sir taught me a lot about respect and those things all all came back to me so she was she was my mentor and so um when I came home from the draft day. A seventeen-year-old kid come home from Bullard High School in Fresno, California. The day of the draft. Right. Walked in the door after school, three o'clock. Mom, hey, did anybody call? She goes, Yeah, the damn Yankees drafted you. She's, <laughs>
1: from, she's from
2: Texas. My, my, my parents are from the South. Sure. Yeah, damn Yankees. I said, Really? What'd you tell them? I told them they wasted their pick. Why'd you tell them that, Mom? Because my son's going to Notre Dame. I already had a full ride. I had it all already signed and everything. With uh, coach Dan Devine, yeah, catch passes from some guy named Joe Montana. That would have been
1: fun, right? Been awesome, right?
2: No, we were already set for that, right? So she didn't, she didn't see the Yankees as a threat. So then um, the Yankees came to town a couple weeks later. Al Rosen, vice president, former great big league third baseman, Jack Butterfield, and they sat down and and uh, said, "Hey, we, we want your kid." My mom said, uh, "Son, go get your calzone." I left, went to pizza, get, get me a pizza. Came home 30 minutes later, went to walk in my front door, it was locked. I knocked on my own front door, opened up the door, and uh, my mom said, Congratulations, son, you're a Yankee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she worked them. She used that Notre Dame uh, scholarship and she milked 150 grand out of them, and it was the highest bonus Steinbrenner had paid at the time. So I was like, You know what? I just always had a ton of respect for my mom. So the time went on, and I got to turn it over and play with Bucky Dent. In A. Bucky Dent was the guy that I was supposed to take his job with the Yankees. Gotcha. So when I turned to double play with him, I called my mom and said, Mom, I got to turn two with Bucky. And so then the next time I got to turn to double play with somebody famous like that was Cal Ripken, Jr. I turned two with Cal. I called uh, home and, and told my mom. And then, of course, when I got to the Cardinals and I tur- turned double play with Ozzy Smith, I mean, I basically was a, was a fan that got to play Major League Baseball because I was in awe of everyone. And that was a problem for me for a little bit, you know, trying to get established in the majors. I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? Do you belong, Yeah, you know? Yeah, so that took me a little hurdle to get over. But once I got over that, then it was all good. But, yeah, my mom is my hero.
1: Kind of had that same experience so to bring it back when you got here to Kansas City trying to figure out if you belong, you know? Like exactly. you had to figure out. Like it, it almost seems like at each instance of your career you had to try to prove or figure out whether or not you belong. And I think that's not just for you. I think that's for everybody. How, how does somebody understand that they do belong and that they can belong? Well, Bob,
2: you know a lot of that has to come with confidence. A lot of that comes from your experience of handling failure, dealing with failure.
1: Yeah, baseball then, players are good at that. For the well, at least, major league baseball yeah. players are good at that. You know, you know what? I'm a successful failure yeah. because of what I've gone through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um,
2: I know that when when opportunities present itself, that um, you step in if you're prepared you you go for it with confidence and you carry yourself like you belong and then you you move forward and and you you take the good with the bad and when the, when the, when the, when the criticism comes which is part of the job when you have a job like mine sure you uh you say hey look I appreciate that I am going to get better and I'll uh, work on it and uh have a good have a good game and maybe there's a fan that says you know you're I can't stand you and you talk too much and you and I tell him hey look my mouth gets me in trouble a lot. I'll work on it, but hey, thanks for coming. And just because you don't like me doesn't mean I don't like you. Appreciate you being here. So that's how you how you deal with it. You stand up in the midst of your failures or your struggles. You stand up and realize that that's going to happen to you. And I think a lot of that has to do with my upbringing. Sure. I got yelled at, you know. I got I got backhand when I, when I sassed or when I talked back. So I was okay when Earl Weaver yelled at me in the dugout told me you're the reason we're losing the Japanese coach that yelled at me and,
1: what did he say to
2: you oh he talked for 30 minutes my first little in the cubby hole with him 30 minutes he's yelling at me in Japanese I look at my interpreter after about 20 minutes go by and I go you don't look real happy and I'm looking I'm, at my interpreter hey what, what's, what's what's he saying he said you're the reason we're losing I went 30 minutes for that really oh okay just tell him that I'm going to be the guy he he hired. Tell him to stay with. Tell him to stay with me. I'm learning how to play the game in Japan here. Is it different? The culture was totally different, and it was different. Yeah. The same dimensions and everything, but it was totally different. You know, they had just different different ways to play. They they, 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 they pitched backwards. No one threw hard. They, so there were a lot of off-speed pitches. I hit I hit uh, second in the order until I missed one sign, and he banished me to the eighth hole. I hit in front of the pitcher the rest of the year you're an American player and you ain't hitting the top four spots or something wrong. Right. But he, he he, hated Americans. He hated me. But you know what? I I, I told the interpreter, hey, you tell him, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy he called me to be. And I bowed to him and I said, thank you very much. And when I, as I bowed, I said, thanks for the paycheck man <laughs> it was a million bucks man that, wow. that was big money for me no kidding you know, I was gonna come off the cardinal contract the year before making 300 grand right shoot i was like you know what hey thanks thanks for the contract thank you <laughs> and i and i and i moved on and kept my head up and went out and played and became the guy that he expected i hit 300 and we won the japan series that's how you overcome your critics that's how you overcome negativity by standing up don't don't slouch down don't get beat up. Walk around like you're beat. You'll never come out of it. Let's move forward.
1: Did you learn any Japanese when you were over there? Oh, uh, yeah, right. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was great.
2: If I would have got
1: to finish my career there, Bob, like I wanted to, uh-huh. that
2: was my plan. That wasn't his plan. That right. was my plan. I would have learned how to how to write, how to read. Of course, they have uh, two different dialects and how to write. Um, it was a difficult language.
1: I bet. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but uh, I loved it. They, it was a totally different culture. Nine months I was on their soil. I loved their fans. They love baseball. I did too. I was happy. Um, great experience for me. Came back, I had five years in the majors, came back after that one season in '93 and got five more in the majors. Because wow. my goal was ten years in the majors. Right. And God knew that. He knows he knows our hearts. And so he allowed that to happen. But first he had to make me better. And I went to Japan, got five hundred at bats. I learned how to play under control a little bit more. Because when I played once a week, I was a wild man. I was like a hunting dog, a bird dog. When you let him out of the cage, before he goes to hunt, he runs around the house three or four times just to get, just to get that, that, that piss and vinegar off him. Right, sure. And I was like that as a player. So Japan calmed me down, and I learned how to hit a breaking ball a little bit better. Those are the two great things I learned. I went back to the majors. I had my
1: best seasons ever. And now a quick message from our sponsor over at Red Door Grill. And, of course, now with three Red Door Grill locations, you're never far away from eating at the best restaurant in Kansas City. They've got something for everyone, from $5 burgers on Monday to the best fried chicken on Thursday. Yeah, that jalapeno fried chicken is something everybody asks me about. In fact, I got asked about it the other day. How good is the fried chicken at Red Door Grill? I say it's the best in town. You're never going to find fried chicken better than the way they prepare it at Red Door Grill. But that's not all. If burgers and fried chicken aren't enough for you, how about on Sunday? It's Prime Rib Sunday with that whiskey soaked prime rib that they serve up right off the grill. It is a fantastic cut of meat. And of course, every Sunday is half price bottles of wine. Not just a bottle here or a bottle there. Every single bottle of wine is half price on Sundays. And don't forget about the best happy hour in town. Four to seven every weekday, Monday through Friday. You'll find great deals on all the appetizers and drink specials at one of the three Red Door Grill locations. Stop in today in Leewood, Overland Park, or Brookside, or check them out online at reddoorgrill.com. Not everything has been great for you, though. You had a brain aneurysm a number of years ago. Wow, oh, you did some research. I did do some research <laughs> on this one. I told you, I, I put my time into this. A one. hemorrhage. A hemorrhage, okay. There's a difference. There is? Yeah, there's a, there's a brain leak. A hemorrhage is a. a, a
2: um, what would you say for first? Aneurysm? Week? Yeah, aneurysm is an explosion of the of the
1: vessel, which okay. causes a lot of problems. Right. But I had a leak. Okay, and how, how did you recover from that, man? Like, what was that process like for you from the time that that happened to being in a hotel room and saying, I need some help here to bouncing back and being HUD?
2: Well, I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't sure what even brought the headaches on. So this was something that you sensed was we were in on the road yeah uh, we were in Oakland I mean, we lived in, uh, in uh, Orange County California so it really wasn't very far away I had just come off of a, of a fishing trip in Texas um, we had, we did we played the Rangers but we didn't televise every game mm-hmm. so there was I had a couple games off it's like a vacation so right I'd go fishing yeah. so I had some growth you know I had three or four growth a day's growth and I was getting ready to uh, go to the ballpark uh, we had an off day and I, and I was in the hotel and I started getting these headaches and um, I got nauseous. I threw up, and I and my head. Every time my heart would beat, my it would pound. My head would pound. I was like, Wow, whoa, man, what the heck is going on here? And uh, so I called Jennifer, honey. I got a headache, man. She goes, Oh yeah, let me tell you the headache I got. Right. Your son Kade just wiped just wiped uh, uh, his diaper all over the TV, and I'm cleaning. I go, No, 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 honey, honey, look, look, I know you have headaches, but I got a real headache. And she goes. Oh, really? I go, yeah, I just threw up. I have this, these pounding. She goes, you better call, get some help. I'll call the front desk. I said, all right, I will. Hung up the phone. Uh, we had cell phones in. Hung up, hung up the phone. And I called the front desk uh, on the hotel phone. I said, hey, guys, come get me. Something's going on here. So they, two minutes later, they busted through the door. And there they are, paramedics. They're sitting there looking at me. I go, I just got a headache, guys. Everything's fine. I just got a bad headache. And so... Said, all right, so they put me on a gurney, took me and put me in the wagon outside. And when they put me in the wagon, there was a little, a, a kid climbed in the back of the wagon that had Down syndrome. Bob, oh, I thought it was an angel. But when this kid came in, you know what he said? He goes, he probably was about, about 10, 12 years old. He goes, he's going to be all right. I just know it. He'll be fine. The kid. And then and the and then the, uh, the paramedic goes, hey, kid, get out. You can't get in here. Get out of here. And so I lifted up to see him, and I saw that, and I went, going to be okay. That just encouraged me right there. That was an encouragement, that kid, to, to, to keep going with the Down syndrome thing. Keep, keep encouraging people about Down syndrome out of nowhere. So as we were going to the, to the uh, hospital, ambulance, and everything, I pocket dialed Jennifer by accident. Had no control, it mm-hmm. down. She heard the ambulance siren. She gets on an airplane, flies, flies to the hospital in, in Oakland. The uh, the hospital the doctor they put a put a needle in my spine and they pulled out blood and they went, oh man, you you ha- you got blood on your brain. And I said, what? Well, that's the only thing I got on my brain. And and you know, I never lost consciousness. Really? And a lot of people lose wow. consciousness and they never recover and they die. Brain hemorrhages. I don't know. You can look at the percentage of people who die or that have them. Yeah. High percentage. So he said, we got to do surgery. They just give me an uh, MRI on my brain. And they said, oh, I've got a big blood spot here. Jennifer walks in the door just about the time they were deciding And she goes, she's eight months pregnant, carrying my third child. And she, and, 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 and she goes, oh, wait, wait. Don't, uh, don't cut on his brain. We're, we're, I'm worried about what's going to fall out. <laughs> don't you dare cut on his brain. She talked to the angel doctors. The angel said, hey, look, fly him to Stanford. Stanford's got the best uh, uh, neurosurgeon in the world flying there. So here come the helicopter guys. They, they, they loaded me up. They put me in there. Here they are, standing there. Let's go. They took me on the plane. I told them, hey, you can do a flyby by Oakland-Alameda County Coliseum. Do me a flyby and just tilt over. I want to see the ballpark. And they go, sir, you have a serious injury. We're, 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 we're taking you to the hospital. I, I never lost consciousness, but my every time my heart beat, my head would hurt. My It would, it would throb. It was a throbbing pain. We fly to Stanford. We get there, and and I see the doctor. doctor gives me a shot, and my headache went away for the first time in three days. I was like...
1: Like, immediately.
2: Yeah, what the heck did you give me? He said, well, I just gave you a shot of Demerol. Well, what were they giving me in in uh, in, in Oakland? They were giving you morphine. Oh. I said, well, what, 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 how come it didn't take the, the pain away? Morphine's not what you give head, head uh, people who have a bleeding... Uh, wow. So anyway... I didn't have, never had a headache ever like that since. So they did an MRI, Dr. Gary Steinberg, one of the greatest neurosurgeons in the world, it was on my case and he, he brings back the, the, the CAT scan and he's comparing it with the one in Oakland and he goes, you know, there's a blood spot in this one in Oakland in your brain about this big and the one that I just took, the blood has evaporated and I can't tell you why. All I can tell you is that less than 1% of brain hemorrhages ever reoccur, so the chances of you dying of a brain hemorrhage again are very slim. You'll probably die of a heart attack before you will of that. And I went, really? I said, well, obviously it wasn't my time. There you go. There's the story of the brain hemorrhage. I went home, and he said, you've got to miss six weeks. It was in April. Right. Early in the season. You, gotta, you can't work for six weeks. I feel fine. So here's what happened, though. My family was all there. They thought I was going to die. My brothers, my my mom, they all came to the hospital. And and so so I, uh, they they left the room. I was in intensive care with all these people, all these sick people uh, around me. And I had that growth. I had like 6 days growth. Yeah, and I looked yeah. bad. Yeah, looked terrible. And they were all you should have seen my my family's face. They were they were looking at me like I'm going to die. And so they all went to lunch. So when that when my headache went away, I got up and I and I told the nurse, "Nurse!" Can, can you please get me a razor and let me clean up? Can I, can I take a shower? And can you please give this bed to somebody who's sick? Right. I'm not sick. I feel bad for these. So people you felt
1: le- legitimately fine after that. The one shot like the top that
2: gave me. That was it. I don't know what happened. You know, and, and, and God will have to tell me that when He sees me. But obviously, it wasn't my time. So when I when I when they came back, my family came back. I was sitting up and I had shaved and combed my hair, and they went. <laughs> I went, hey man, let's go home. I'm ready to go home. They were like, blown away. So I went home. Couldn't talk to the doctor and let me go back to the ballpark. Sure. Six weeks. I had so you to sit. sit. Six oh, weeks. It was terrible. And I felt just like I feel now. But I felt everything was gone. I had, uh, I got stacks of love from people. Remember, remember I was telling you about the uh, the the hate here, yeah, sure, and the the the, the, sh- the arrows. You can feel that when there's that many, uh, when there's that many spiritual uh, spirits going on, man. You can feel that, and you can feel the prayers, too, on the other end. I would wake up in the morning, and I would have hymns on my heart from church. And i was going, man, what's going on? People were lifting me up. I got stacks of mail from people saying, because it was out there, uh, angel broadcaster almost dies with brain hemorrhage. So it went all over the country, and people seeing All my friends are going, oh, my gosh. So I got lots of
1: love. And then came back. Never had a headache like that since. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's crazy. What was your impression of Kansas City before you came here?
2: I knew they had great barbecue. I knew that uh, we could pile up some wins by coming here. Yeah. Okay. Because that was during the time when they weren't winning. Sure. So uh, I loved their downtown. I love the the uh, plaza. Mm-hmm. Thought it was special. I knew it was a special place. And then and then just thought it was a, a real nice a country town, basically. I didn't have any idea about it until I found out I got here and I found out that the, how much love there was for the people and how passionate their fans were. Sure. Because I couldn't see them. We never saw them when we were there.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: So when we got here and experienced uh, the rejuvenation of this, this uh, organization and the new, the new fan base coming, it was overwhelming
1: it's interesting to, to listen to you do games. And I always told Fizz this when when he got the job here, I said I used to watch you and HUD at night. It was like the last game on, so I used to put you guys on all the time when you were doing the angel games. So now here you are together, right? Doing like nobody's ever done that, I don't think, ever in baseball, do one team together and then just move to another team together like the two of you know guys. That's ever happened. I, I don't know that it has either. And and you guys are like brothers, you and Steve Fizioc. And then you do the games with Ryan, and Ryan's kind of like your dad at times, which I think is hysterical. (laughs) And I was watching some stuff the other day with you and Ryan and the moon and the the, the Cobb incident in Tampa, like all this stuff where Ryan just has a way of just – Bringing you back in and making like everything just perfect again—it's—it's insane. I mean, how many times has he saved you, right? He's great. (laughs) No, you you have to
2: have somebody that can guide the ship. Yeah, he does a great job of that. Now, Fizz, I pull him over on my side too much because you know what—he—he's kind of a happy guy, and has fun, likes to—he. But you know, his wife Stacy, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, um, she—um—she'd always encourage him. You know, with every with every team, there's a straight guy and a funny guy. Fizz, and you're not the funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> but it is by, that's natural for him. So just stay out of his territory. Try to stay the straight guy. But sometimes I'll pull him over. But Rhino, Rhino's real professional. So is Fizz. Sure. They're both extremely professional, very well prepared. Um, and um, But Ryan's, Ryan's so fun. Uh, whenever I step out of bounds, which is maybe three or four times a night, um i kind of cringe and i'll look and rhino has a look on his face whenever whenever i got it coming I can picture the look he's got a look he's got a lucky case his lips kind of go you know and, and i'm going oh no and i'm going i hope goldberg's not listening either because they they just have their little mallet their little hammer right and they're ready to go <laughs> But it's okay because, you know what, I deserve to get whacked. Yeah. And, uh, and and I don't mean some of this stuff to come out. And, like, Radio Bob, you guys, when you work, you have a six-second delay switch. Sure, yeah. So you have a delay. Like, if just something goes out and you don't really want that on the air, you can hit a button and say, I don't want that on there. We don't have that on TV. So, I mean, how many times would I grab words and bring them back and say, gosh, I wish I had a do-over on that. But... I've learned how to laugh at myself. You have to, right? You have to to. how to have fun with it and not beat myself up over it. But when I when I accidentally called the moon a planet, and I really that was my thought, it just came out. (laughs) Um, I stepped out of bounds, and my wife Jennifer, she was waiting for me when I got home. I bet, yeah, she was waiting at the door. Is it? And and, you know, you have kids. There's all kinds of kids out there. What are you? What are you? Some dummy? You know, get in here. I was like, I, I thought my mom was was going to beat me up. No,
1: I, you know, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. But I was like is you know. is is that the one you look at like the most of the blunders and go, "Man, I wish I could have that one back no, or is there another because one?" cuz that
2: was uh, just a thought that came out, really wasn't meaning anything, and then they went ahead and and, and accentuated it right. and uh, you know, blew it up. Um, you know, there's always uh, there's been several several things over the years uh, you know, you when you when you broadcast for 20 years, it's it's a lot of stuff that goes on in a ball game and it's live. It's it's a lot uh, more difficult than people think it is. Sure it is, yeah. Um, you have to articulate. Uh, I have a hard time because that's a small brain I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at the monitor. Uh, I'm trained to talk about what I see, tell the people. And then I have a telestrator over here. I want to draw lines and teach. And then I watch uh, the field to see what's going on, too, so I can let the fans know on a replay uh, what to look for. And all that, and a guy talking to me on my headset. Right. So I have to, during the game, take, pay attention to all that stuff and try to bring it out and bring it out to where people can tolerate it, and it just doesn't always happen.
1: No, it doesn't it always. Doesn't Look, I, I know I say things all the time. You're like, man, I can't believe I just said that. You know, it's, but it's
2: been fun. I think probably the most uh, the most embarrassing thing was was when when uh, our guy Paulo started his career with four triples. Yeah. Okay. And it was phenomenal. I don't think it's ever happened before. Right. I think that was a record. And so then then we started calling Paulo Tripolo. And then when he hit his grand slam home run, and I had I. I after the call, Fizz is in the booth with me. Fizz gives the call, and then he's rounding third. And I try to let let the crowd play. Yeah. I don't say anything until the guy's in the dugout usually. You know, it's television. And uh, I remember saying, I was so excited, so were the fans. You know, the whole team, everybody was, was jacked. Yeah. And I called him a homo by accident. <laughs> I said it Paolo,"
1: I meant to say "Homero,"
2: right? And I said it Paolo Homo," and, it was, and Fizz, Fizz, fell out of his chair. He did. I had to pick him up before he's he's, he's, he's on the ground, right? And I'm like, "Oh no!" So I let that go. I had to let it play. Yeah. So he goes into the dugout, and, and my producer's going, "Hud, Hud! You gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix that." I said, "Okay." So so how do you fix that, right? So when I got done. So when uh, when I got back, I said, "And Paulo Hobero." hit his first grand slam, so I made sure to pronounce it what I meant to say. Right. And I think people knew that. They didn't know. They, they knew I didn't mean to call him that. You know? I, no, of
1: course not. But know, it was, it was it's a It's form of baseball, though, where you can get away with some stuff like yeah. that, you know? Because it's every day. You're in our lives. You're there every yeah. night. 7 o'clock comes. You turn on the, the game, and you guys are part of your lives. I mean, do you realize how big a part of lives you truly are? No. I'm, I'm glad all, you answered that. Yeah, no,
2: because because it's impossible. Because I, but 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 being here in, in this town, where, you know, we've had the best ratings the last two years in all of baseball. Yeah, are right there at the top. So because the majority, not just we have the most people, but it's the the majority of the people that we have, ninety percent of them are all watching Royals games. So when I go to the grocery store, I go to my Price Chopper around the corner here. You know, there uh, I'm ready to engage. People are like, huh, what's up?" You know, hey. Hey, we watch you. Uh, my wife thinks you're funny looking and funny too. And, and, you know, my kids, they all watch the games and I'm like overwhelmed. It's the product. Keep watching the product. It's exciting. Come back and watch tonight. So they're, they're not watching me and Ryan and Fizz as much as, you know, Joel and Monty. Although I think we bring a good productive uh, package. We are a good team. Sure. All of us. Um, we help enhance the product. That's what we want to do. But it's the exciting product, man. It's top shelf. Even this season coming in 18, Bob. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun year. Do you like baseball? Come on. Now, is it used to? Is it going to be like we're, we're used to the last few years? No. But you know, the last
1: couple of years we haven't been at 500 either. So, if we finish at 500 this year. It'll be a huge success. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, Physiox, your partner for many years, called you a man of service, and he does for others. What's the best moment you had of doing something for someone else?
2: Yeah, there was you know. a young man named Ryan Ramshaw. He's still alive. He had a, a, a highly unusual tumor wrapped around his spine. This was a couple years ago. And uh, I met him and I, I got a call from the, 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 the 190th Airborne out in, in Topeka. And he worked there. And I got a call from one of his friends. This young man, 20 years old. He says, he you know, doesn't have long to live. Can you, can you meet him? He, he, he loves you on the broadcast. So I, I, I drove out there and met him. And then he was at, at MD Anderson in Houston getting treatment when the team got to houston so I, i i called him when we got there and i said hey ryan hey you and your mom want to come to a game royals are in town he's a lifelong royals fan yeah so he comes to the game i had him before the game i had him introduce him to drew butera drew drew comes and i told him hey drew he's here trying to get well he's going through some treatment here and and uh and uh, nice to meet you. Drew goes back in the in the clubhouse, and he and he gets all the guys to sign a bat.
1: Oh wow! The whole That's team. Sweet. That's awesome. He comes right? back out.
2: He comes back out. In the meantime, he tells each player as they're signing the bat, "Hey, my friend Ryan's out there. Make sure you say hi to him." So he he brings this bat out, and, and Ryan's like, "Oh man, thank you. A team signed bat. That's so cool." So here comes all the players when they're coming out for batting practice, and they came out of the out of the tunnel, and they walked right up to him and said, hey, Ryan, we're pulling for you, man. Nice to meet you. Every single player, before they did anything, was unbelievable the power that had. And his tumor went in remission. Eventually, as, as the year of treatment went by, it's gone on now, and and he's unfortunately battling some leukemia that came from the treatment, but he's he's going to get well because he, he believed the Royals healed him. And and that's the class of Dayton wow. Moore and, and yep. the fact that he, he acquires players that have – um, class about them that have a sensitive heart. They're not all me, me, I, I guys. They take their blinders off. So, once again, just another opportunity to make somebody feel good and that's probably one of the best feel goods here that i've been here that
1: that is pretty special and and you're right about that i've told Dayton numerous times i said you really do a good job of vetting these guys and bringing them in here and having them do great things because a lot of the charity work that i'm involved in anytime i need something i just go hey can you help me out with this and they're there right away like immediately ready to 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 jump in and do whatever it is that you need because that's the type of guys they are i mean that doesn't happen everywhere you know it's it's been it's been remarkable i'm going to leave you with this if your mother never let the Yankees in the door to sign that contract, where are you right now? I am. Uh, I'm broadcasting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? But I'm.
2: Uh, I, I'm very thankful. I'm a thankful guy. Not for just the, all the great things that's happened, but I'm thankful for the bad things too. Because the bad things, the ten years in the minors, I wouldn't trade that for Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken's career he had, it, the Iron Man, I, Hall of Fame career. I wouldn't trade because that made me who I am. And it's so much fun to be able to love on people. This job I have today is unbelievable. I can't wait to go to spring training, Bob. I'm heading out. I don't know when you're going to show this. What are you, you going to do yeah, this? You'll probably
1: be at spring training by the time this hey, runs. Hey, but, hey, look, who cares, at right?
2: Camp and I can't wait. So, Ned, you know, poor Ned over the years. He's kind of gotten to know me. He's like, Hud, stay away from camp until you have to be there. Don't come <laughs> early. So he tells Date, don't send me. Because, Hud, you're just too much. I'm like, what do you mean too much? I can't help it. I'm happy. Right. What's wrong with that? Let's go, Ned. You know, and he's, he's, he's got – being a manager is unbelievable. He's got all kinds of weight on him, pressure mm-hmm. on him. For me, <laughs> I just meet meet the new players and have some fun
1: and spring training's life, man. And everybody's in first place too, Bob. No doubt. And and it's funny about Ned because he joins us every Wednesday, and mm-hmm. we, we had our first interview with him. And I said to him, I said, after the fall, which was pretty bad deal, right? I said, after oh. the fall, I said – Are you reevaluating life? Is there something else you want to accomplish in life now that you're looking in perspective of I almost died, right? And he goes, you know, I really like who I am, but I want to win one more world championship for the Royals. (laughs) Yes! is that a great answer? I love it. It's want, the best. I hope to be here for it. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Rex Hudler. He truly is a unique individual that cares more about helping others than he really does himself. And he'll tell you just like anybody else, well, timing was everything. And if that phone never rang from the Kansas City Royals, he probably wouldn't be here today, serving as one of the most popular people we have in town right now. Stay tuned for the next KC Bobcast. Coming up, we'll talk with city manager of kansas city troy schulte and he'll tell us about the future of baseball in downtown kc